Are you looking for a new way to play fantasy sports? Well, we've got you covered. Welcome to Champions Round. Welcome back to the Champions Round show. My name is Jason Gold, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Michael Grandinetti. Michael, how are you doing today? Doing great, Jason. Uh, another exciting weekend of football. Uh, excited for the weekend ahead now. No Thursday night football, but we did get a nice little treat on Tuesday night, which was great. And a pretty good game, too. So uh, just looking forward to another week. But I was curious, you know, there's an exciting Sunday night finish. It seems like every Sunday night game in Seattle or involving Seattle uh, is one for the books. But Mike Zimmer had a real questionable call there, or at least it was questionable in my opinion. Do you think he made the right decision? I, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but what do you do there if you're if you're uh, coaching the Vikings? So, do you, in case anyone didn't watch Sunday Night Football, you want to run through exactly what the decision is for them? Yeah, let's do that. So Minnesota's got the ball; they're up five with I want to say about a minute and a half left, and there's a crucial fourth and one. I believe Seattle was out of timeouts at this point. They called timeout to to keep it to about a minute and a half left. And the Vikings were faced with a fourth and one, and Mike Zimmer decided to to try it and, and go for it and pick up a yard. And, of course, if he gets that yard, the game's over. But if he doesn't get that yard, he gives the ball back to Russell, uh, back to Russell Wilson, only leading by five. He had the chance to maybe kick a field goal and go up by eight. So at least at the very least, you don't lose in regulation. Uh, worst case scenario, the go- the game goes to overtime. Sure enough, the Vikings went for it. They got stuffed. Seattle goes all the way down, converts two fourth downs, including a fourth and goal on a touchdown pass from Russell Wilson to uh, to DK, and uh, and that was the ball game. Left Minnesota with no time to go back there and get some points. And uh, I was really circling that that play and that decision. I, I know what I'm doing, but I'm curious what you're doing in that in that moment. So I, at the time, and I still think now that the right decision is to go for it there. Mm -hmm. Uh, You only need one yard. You'd presume that you have, if if they say that a two point conversion, getting two yards is about 50, 50 call. So one yard, probably a little higher, somewhere 55, 60% probably that you convert it. Um, And you saw what happened even with, you had Russell Wilson with the ball closer to his end zone and it still took two fourth downs and a fourth and goal to get it done. You know, what are the chances of that happening? I I would do everything in my power to make sure that Russell Wilson doesn't have the ball. Mm-hmm. So giving him just, I think they go getting the one yard. Uh, if you have a shot to do it and end the game that way, especially on the road where you don't want to go into an overtime, you're probably going to lose. Uh, I would probably go for the one yard. Um, but it, it it's tough. I get the other side too. The field goal doesn't make sense to me. Either go for it or you punt it and try to get you know uh, them to have like a ninety five yard drive. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's what I would do. It's interesting. The numbers and the statistics and the analytics are all in your favor. And sure enough, Mike Zimmer was listening to those analytics. Um, this is one where I think they they showed the graphic on Sunday Night Football where. They obviously, if they get the first down, they have a hundred. Their win percentage goes from about ninety-five percent to hundred percent. But if they don't get the first down, it diminishes by about fifteen percent. So I, I guess in that in that moment, I'm probably going to take the points. I believe they were in field goal range, and it should be a makeable field goal. Now, of course, if it gets blocked, something crazy happens, then 
you know, all bets are off. But um, it, it is interesting. It's just another example of the analytics, and we see it in baseball all the time, and basketball has, has gotten to be uh, pretty involved. It's, look at the Houston Rockets and stuff like that. And football's been catching up too. So it is always interesting to see what teams are really listening to those numbers and uh, which teams are playing more conventional. So I was curious. I, I was curious to get pick your brain on that. Yeah, it's uh, definitely an interesting call. Um, but yeah, I th- I think you got to go for it. You got to go for the win. Yeah. Especially your guys, your guys in the locker room aren't going to be angry that you went for it. They're going to be happy that you had trust in them uh, to go and get a yard. So I, I I think there's no not a whole lot of downside in going for that it. That is there. true. One in three team too, and uh, got a chance to get your second win in Seattle. I get that side as well. On Sunday night, on Sunday night football, huge game, huge opportunity. You get that one yard, and everybody's going crazy. Good juju the rest of the week. So yep. I, I like it. All right. Um, let's move on to some fancy questions for week six. And we're going to start off with one big question. And this one actually kind of surprised me from last night. I thought the Buffalo would go in that, into Tennessee and absolutely dominate. And mm-hmm. boy, was I wrong. Um, so given how Tennessee came out two weeks off, no practices, all on Zoom, some park practices allegedly, but basically on your own. Um does that change your view at all on starting guys in fantasy that are coming off COVID implications or limited practice time? Or do we just say it was an anomaly, the Bills turned the ball over, Titans had a bunch of short fields to go and convert touchdowns, and you're still a little wary of starting guys that are dealing with COVID implications? It's interesting, man. I, I had the same expectation going into last night. I it, it really I thought this was Buffalo's game game to win and I really wasn't expecting Tennessee to come out and execute as as well as they did. You see a guy like A.J. Brown, who's not only not had the practices, but's coming off an injury, and and sure enough, he scores a touchdown in the first few minutes of the game. And and wow, Tennessee really did impress me. Now, with that said, I'm going to check this one off as more of the outlier and the one-off rather than the trend. Uh, I do think that practice is valuable. I, I do think those reps and that game planning in person – still uh, leads to success on the field. And I think it's just more of a testament to what Tennessee was able to do without having that in-person game plan or in-person practice and those reps and credit to Mike Vrabel and, uh, and in getting those guys really prepared without, without doing it in person. So um, I'm not, I don't know how much it changes my perspective as as far as moving forward in in fantasy and my decision-making and, and who to start and who to sit. I just think that they deserve all the credit in the world. And I, I'm just going to kind of look at this as a one-off until maybe it turns into a trend. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Um, and after watching the game, I, I really thought that Tennessee, you know, they played well, they did what they had to do, yeah. but they also got lucky based on field position. I, that was the easiest field position game that I've seen in quite right. a while. Um, they were, I think they had four, either three or four touchdown drives that were under 30 yards that they had to get into the end zone. So that basically never happens. I am impressed with Tennessee's defense being that ready. Uh, I wasn't surprised at their offense, given the field position, uh, that they had that much success. And also the fact that Tredavious White was out for the Bills made it a little bit easier for A.J. Brown, opened up the field a little bit. And uh, Milano was out, a linebacker for the Bills, too. So, you know, Smith and A.J. Brown cooked. Um, I don't think it's a trend. Uh, I I do agree with you that having practice in person is still valuable. I do think, though, for teams like Tennessee that have quite a bit of continuity, mm-hmm. not a whole lot of new players, mm-hmm. I do think that it was uh, uh, they were hit 
less hard by not being there in person. They just had to go and go out and execute what they've been doing for the last two years. Um, so I would say younger teams or teams that have a lot of new pieces are probably more susceptible to having a letdown in those situations. So it obviously everything this year is a case by case basis. I don't know if there's going to be trend lines with COVID, um, but, but it is something that you have to consider on a week to week basis and situationally. Um, But yeah, I thought this one was probably an outlier. I I think it's a good point too, as far as the continuity. I mean, Tennessee's got, for the most part, uh, the team has been, you know, running it back as far as, uh, you know, talent and, and scheme of, like you mentioned for the last couple of years. So maybe they were easy. It was easier for them to adapt and adjust to this really crazy schedule over the past couple of weeks, rather than a team, even like Tampa Bay, who has a lot of veteran players, but they're really still starting to come together and, and get in under a Bruce Arian system and, and learn all the intricacies and, and get on the same page there. So I think that the continuity aspect definitely, uh, it played in Tennessee's favor, obviously um, clearly last night. All right, let's move on to another topic that's interesting. We talked about this a little bit earlier with the Vikings. Now, Dalvin Cook is out. So it looks like Alexander Madison is going to start, although maybe Cook is still in the game plan. Mike Zimmer wouldn't commit to it. Uh, my guess is that Madison's going to be getting the bulk of the carries uh, this week. So who would you rather start in a week six matchup, Alexander Madison or Chase Edmonds, who seems to be potentially the number one back, as I've been saying all year? Uh, in Arizona, going to Mon- uh, Dallas on Monday Night Football. Obviously a terrible defense, so maybe a smash spot for Edmonds. Well, I love both these matchups. Uh, we've talked about at will the Dallas Cowboys and the Atlanta Falcons, the uh, the defense, the, the defensive struggles both teams have had this year. So I think both running backs, Chase Edmonds and Alexander Madison, are in line for some big days here uh, this weekend. Chase Edmonds has been your guy uh, all, all year, and you know his stock is – continue to rise week in and week out and it it looks like he's about to be the guy in Arizona with Kenyon Drake there I'm not going to go with him quite yet I actually am going to go with Alexander Madison it looked like Dalvin Cook's injury was you don't want to speculate but fairly significant at least enough for him to miss one week I mean he could barely walk after after uh, it looked like a groin injury there on Sunday night so Alexander Madison had a lot of buzz coming into the league entering last season, and he's shown some flashes of, of why why he had that buzz. He's averaging 4.7 yards per carry so far in his young career, and I just love this matchup against Atlanta. I, I think my strategy now moving forward is just pick anybody going against Atlanta, and this will come up again later in the show. Uh, but right now, this week, for week six, slightly, I'm going to go Madison. Yeah, I think that if, if there's any indication that Cook isn't playing – I think that Madison's probably the play. But I will say this. If Cook ends up playing, we saw what Madison did in a basically a 50-50 split mm-hmm. at Seattle. Seattle's defense is still terrible. But Madison smashed. He's obviously a great running back, very talented, and would probably start for a lot of teams in the NFL. Um, so would Edmonds. And we've seen what running backs and offenses have done against Dallas. Um, the interesting part about the Dallas game now is that Dalton's going to be playing, obviously. I mean, first out to Dak, I hope he gets better and is able 100%. to come back next season full strength. But I think that they're probably going to end up scoring or having lower scoring games because they're going to be much more conservative. So maybe the defense doesn't get hit as hard. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch, um, especially for Drake and Edmonds. 
but yeah, I think that Madison is probably that the right That is my caveat, though. If they up, I think even in any capacity, and he's able to even carry the ball five times. I think this is so close that I would go Edmonds. But uh, <laughs> I'm going with the assumption that, that Dalvin Cook's not going to play. I'm going to pick Madison here. But if Cook's uh, suited up and he touches the ball at all, I think Edmonds is probably the guy. It just feels like Edmonds every week has like a 20 or 25 or 30 yard touchdown or at least a big gainer. Uh, I know he doesn't get the ball as much as Drake does, but man, he, he really breaks. Well, you know, it's so interesting plays. that last season, Arizona with David Johnson, they trade for Kenyon Drake and about three or four weeks after they traded for Kenyon Drake, David Johnson was the odd man out. And now sure enough, maybe it's taken a little bit longer. They had Kenyon Drake, maybe had a little bit longer leash, but sure enough, Arizona, there's, a possible running back change there. And it looks like Chase Edmonds is the guy until maybe he gets replaced by somebody else next year. Who knows? But maybe for the rest of this season, it looks like it's going to be Chase Edmonds. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch mm-hmm. that dynamic uh, in Arizona. All right, let's move on to next one. Nice little uh, tight end question that I'm actually kind of curious from my own personal perspective. Um, Robert Tanyan or Rob Gronkowski for the rest of the 2000. 20 NFL season who you got you know you look at the numbers just uh on paper without the touchdowns and you got 13 catches 173 yards for Tanya and you got 12 catches 140 yards for Gronk now Tanya did do that in one less game he played in every game but he uh he also uh didn't catch a pass in week one so (laughs) is it crazy that I go Tanya here over Rob Gronkowski it seems a little crazy it doesn't even feel right for me to do that but Gronk just, he seems like he's lost a couple steps. He's not able to get the separation. He's never been a burner, but even more so now, he's just um, he he's just not able to, to get the separation against the defense. And it looks like Mike Evans is the target in Tampa Bay. And that used, that used to be Gronkowski's strength in New England was, was being the red zone guy up there. So I am going to go Tanyan. Man, this was tough. Like I said, it kills me even to pick him over Gronkowski. But it looks like him and Rodgers have a little bit of a connection. I believe Rodgers has developed a little trust in Tanyan, which I think is really big for Aaron Rodgers. I don't know how much trust he's had with his receivers outside of Devontae, uh, Devontae Adams here the last few years, or I should say pass catchers. So I'm going to go Tanyan, but oof, this one's tough. Yeah, I, I'm I'm torn on this one also, and I have both of them in one league, and I really don't know who the hell to start. Um I like the fact that with no OJ Howard and we still have some injuries in Tampa Bay. I mean, Gronk is probably going to get some more red zone targets as the season goes along. Tanya looked like he had a nice, nice connection with Aaron Rodgers. He's had two straight games where he's been very effective. Uh, both of those games coincidentally without Devontae Adams. So maybe that means something. Uh, I'm interested to see when Adams comes back and is healthy, what Tanya's role really looks like. And he might continue to do this. He might, fall off uh so i i'm i think that i want to say gronk but very close very it's tough, very close man. it's really tough i robert tanya could be one of those guys that emerges and he ends up being a dependable guy for the whole season or he could be a flash in the pan <laughs> that's the beauty of fantasy football right there right so i it sounds like we both or no it sounds like you're going with gronk i'm going with tanya but man i, I i'll be honest <laughs> i know i'm sorry this is your tight end situation i wouldn't be too comfortable with either i know you probably got to pick one right now but i'd probably look to maybe get somebody else uh in, in to to fill that need right there <laughs> that's not the worst <laughs> idea. 
All right, let's go with uh, our player we're buying low on and player we're selling high on this week. So I'll let you take the floor. Buying low, I'm going to look at a wide receiver. I'm going to go Marvin Jones, and he's had a pretty slow start to the season. Only one touchdown so far, and he's coming off a game with he only caught one pass for nine yards. He's usually pretty prolific in the touchdown department, so I, I looked at for him to get back on track here pretty soon. He's averaging only 11.5 yards per reception this year, but that's his lowest since his rookie year, and I just think that the yardage is going to be coming, especially with the Detroit team, who we assume is going to be losing here uh, most of his most of the games through the rest of the season. So as they're trailing, I think that garbage yardage is coming Marvin Jones's way, and he's got a couple favorable matchups in the next couple of weeks against Jacksonville and against Atlanta. So his value is probably going to go up here. So I think if you got a chance to get a guy like Marvin Jones, I think that'd be a good move. And then the person I'm selling high on, and this might come as a little bit of a shocker, I think we've both been pretty high on this guy over the course of the season, but I'm actually selling high on Mark Andrews. And uh, he's, he's probably the number two or three tight end in your league right now, depending on your scoring. But he's so touchdown dependent that that kind of scares me a little bit. Uh, he's only averaging uh, he's averaging less than four catches per game so far in the season, less than 50 yards re- receiving so far in the season per game. And I just think that that touchdown dependency is a little too much and it scares me. So if you can go out there and upgrade your starting lineup, maybe at running back, at wide receiver, uh, I, I think that actually would be a good move. Your, your drop-off at the tight end position won't be as big as kind of I think you're expecting. So uh, I'm buying low on Marvin Jones. I'm selling high on Mark Andrews. I like those ones. Uh, all right, so buying low, I think that the number one buy low that I have right now is Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, you saw what Claypool did. Uh, Juju's been a little bit uh, – he's just not getting the target or volume that you would like, but I think that owners that are having him right now are probably like, well, I want to get the hell out of this one. Uh, might be a good time to buy. He's still the number one wide receiver there. He's still wildly talented. They're going to keep throwing the ball. Uh, I like a buy low on him. Uh, I also like a buy low on newly uh, new free mm-hmm. agent, Le'Veon Bell. I think that he's probably going to end up in, well, he's definitely going to end up in a better spot than he was with the Jets, maybe making him actually fantasy, fantasy legitimate uh, for the first time in two years. I'm sure that other fantasy owners are probably tired of the Le'Veon Bell show. They don't really want to deal with it anymore. It might be a good time to buy him. And especially if he ends up in a good situation like, and I'm going to use this as my selling high on, I'm selling high if you're in a standard league, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, because I think that Le'Veon Bell is going to end up in Kansas City. So you can buy in on Bell in Kansas City in a, let's say he gets 40% of the carries rolls, 50%, and you're buying into the Kansas City offense. I think there's a great opportunity there. And then you're selling high on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, I think it could be an op- a good opportunity for you to get some real value in return. I really there. love those picks on multiple levels. First, Juju was another guy I had circled, but I have in my own personal league. So I didn't want anyone to listen to be like, oh, you know, Mike's hyping up his own team. But I hope you're right. I do think that Juju Smith, it, Juju Smith-Schuster's, you know, I think his value probably couldn't be any lower than it is right now. And I think the, the production is going to come. And then also on the Clyde Edwards-Alaire pick, the number one team in my league has Clyde, and if Le'Veon can go in there and eat some of his eat some of his volume, eat some of his uh, touches away, then uh, I'll be a happy camper. So I like those picks. All right, so let's go to the week six. Who'd you rather? Right. And let's make this a little bit of a speed round. We're gonna go 
Devontae Freeman and Antonio Gibson head to head. This one's tough. Uh, uh, I'm going like? to go Freeman uh, just barely. I, I think he really impressed here against Dallas over the weekend. He's showing to get more, more and more integrated, more and more comfortable in the, the New York Giants offense. And I just, I, I like Freeman slightly. Gibson's been really good too. Um, he could definitely get in the end zone, but I'm going to go Freeman just slightly here. Yeah, I'm going to go Gibson here. I like that he's getting most of the red zone carries, and I think that Kyle Allen will be healthy. Uh, I think he'll check it down a little bit more to Gibson. I think they'll, he'll have, uh, let's say, over 30 receiving yards and more than field catches. So kind of like Gibson there. Freeman, I'm, I'm just not 100% sold on yet. Uh, all right. Um, Mike Evans versus Green Bay. Devontae Adams versus Tampa Bay. Uh, which top wide receiver from the Bay? <laughs> yeah, I'm do, going do one Devontae to another Devontae. Uh, I'm going to select Devontae Adams here. Um, it looked like he was probably healthy enough to play in their previous game, and Green Bay decided to hold him out. Good thing for them. They end up winning. Now they're coming off a bye. I expect him to be, if not full, at full health, near, near at full health, and uh, I just think he's going to pick up right where he left off before I got hurt. So I'm going to go Devontae Adams. All right, I am with you there. Uh, Mike Evans, you know, he's great at getting in the end zone, but he's not getting the receptions or the yards. So I'm going to go Devontae Adams until proven otherwise, and I think he'll come back healthy. Obviously, he thought he was healthy last week, so nothing nagging there. I think that he'll be good to go. All right, let's go to Matt Ryan, Kirk Cousins, matching up in Minnesota. Going back to what I was saying earlier like? in the show about just picking out picking guys against Atlanta, I'm going to stick to my guns here. I'm going to go Kirk. I don't know what's going on with Matt Ryan. He does not look like the guy we've seen in the last few years that Atlanta offense usually can count on. They've actually been struggling. And I, I'm going to go Kirk against a uh, an Atlanta defense that is beyond struggling. So uh, I'm going to go Kirk Cousins here. I actually think that Minnesota is going to run the ball a lot. So I'm going to go Matt Ryan. I think that Dan Quinn out of the way. Maybe they open it up even more. I think they're going to have a good week, and hopefully Julio's back. But even if not, I, I think that Ryan's going to outscore Cousins. Even if they end up getting behind, uh, Ryan's going to be able to throw the ball over. And I know that Ryan hasn't looked good. He's actually been putrid. But I think that he has a you know 23-point fantasy day in him. And Kirk, <laughs> he never yeah, and Matt Ryan's always got that in his back pocket for sure. All right, uh, let's go to final segment of the week. Best bet for week six and your fantasy breakout star for so week six. So I got six. New England so minus nine and a half at home against Denver. You got Cam Newton coming back. I just think that defense is going to be too much. Even if Drew Locke comes back for Denver, Denver, he's been practicing this week. But I just think that New England defense is too much. Cam's going to get back on track. They're going to be energized to uh, to get back in the winning column and back on the football field. So I'm going to go New England, laying, laying a lot of points there at half but I like them to cover at home against the Broncos. And then my fantasy breakout star, he's actually the guy I said I was going to um, I was gonna buy low on. And I'm going to go back to Marvin Jones, back of the well with Marvin Jones. I had mentioned he's got an easy matchup, or I shouldn't say easy, but a favorable matchup this week, this week against Jacksonville. I, I just like Detroit coming off the bye, and I think Stafford's going to have a big day, and uh, Marvin Jones is going to reap the benefits. I like those picks, uh, especially since my best bet or one of my two best bets for week six is Detroit minus three at Jacksonville, continuing the train of fading Jacksonville from a macro point of view. They are still as bad <laughs> as we thought they were going to be, only getting worse. Detroit, 
Detroit off a of bye, time to get ready, time to get healthy. I think they're going to have a big week in Jacksonville. Uh, the other one that I'm going to take is the Chicago Bears, plus two and a half at Carolina. Carolina is a good team, but very difficult for a team that, that that is that young with that many new pieces to win four straight games. Uh, I like the way that Chicago's defense is playing. I think it's going to be tough for Carolina to move the ball. Teddy Bridgewater is great at covering as a underdog, not so great as a favorite. I will take Chicago plus two and a half. And fantasy breakout star for week six, I am going to go with David Montgomery to have a big week for the Bears at a great Carolina. matchup for David Montgomery. We, we talked about on the show last week about that Atlanta and Carolina game, and uh, we, we had the toss-up between Mike Davis and Todd Gurley, and sure enough, both went off. This is a great spot for David Montgomery here. All right. And that does it for our week six podcast here at the champions round show. Michael, as always, thank you for joining me. We will see you next week.